0: Another shift in sentiment. All it takes is one report and a few words from a central bank governor. The report today in the USA was consumer confidence weaker than expected and hitting equities pretty hard. The words are from Christine Lagarde sounding a little more hawkish and pushing up front-end yields in Europe. And today, Aussie retail sales, NATO, and some heavyweights from the central banks talking in Portugal. It's Wednesday, the 29th of June, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. equities are down again today—a three percent drop in the Nasdaq, the S&P 500 two percent down, one point six percent off the Dow. The Russell 2000 is down almost two percent as well. All of that at close, and just like yesterday, whilst they are down in the U.S., they are up in Europe, rising 0.9 percent for the FTSE 100, 0.3 percent for the Euro Stocks 50, and the DAX and 0.6 percent up for the CAC 40. A switch in direction for the U.S. dollar—it's back on the up, rising half a percent this morning. The euro is down half a percent. The pound has lost 0.6%. The Aussie dollar down a quarter percent, just above 69 US cents. Uh, And oil prices are rising too, uh, 2% up for WTI, over 2.5% for Brent, which is around $118 now. And small moves in US bond yields, just one basis point off 10-year treasuries, but bigger moves in Europe 10 basis points added to French 10-year yields. Germany up 8 basis points. The UK up 7, up 10 for 2-year gilt yields. Uh, German 5 years are up 11 as well. Uh, NAB's Taylor Nugent joins us from Melbourne this morning. Uh, we had to go to Melbourne because it's impossible to get into the office in Sydney apparently this morning. Uh, so Taylor, look, it's it's so thanks for joining us. You weren't on the schedule today, but here you are. Um, it's pretty clear why um, yields are rising in, in Europe, in particular at the front end of the, the curve, because Christine Lagarde talking at their forum in Portugal uh, sounding much more hawkish, saying inflation pressures are broadening and intensifying. Now, I mean, I think everyone's expecting a 25 basis point rise in July. And, uh, you know, it seems there's more talk about going heavier in September. But there are some in the ECB who actually want to see a 50 basis point rise in July as well. So, I mean, uh, they're upping the ante perhaps a little bit.
1: Yeah, certainly some um, some interesting comments from Europe and then, yeah, in terms of that kind of broader price action that you mentioned. So um, US equities are are uh, uh, lower um, today after after opening fairly strongly, taking their lead from kind of the more positive risk mood that was there in, in Asia and Europe on the back of some, some headlines that China would ease. Um, COVID restrictions for, for incoming travelers, um, so that the quarantine mm. requirements would be eased there, which is kind of the first meaningful Half shift in there. the direction of easing mm. um, that we've seen. And so we saw the Aussie kind of bounce higher on that and, and that kind of supported risk sentiment through, um, you know, late in in Asia and, and into Europe. Um, and then, yeah, that consumer confidence data really um, driving that turnaround in in US equities that we saw. Um, but yeah, as, mm. as you said, in terms of um, you know, commentary from from the ECB that was certainly kind of supporting that that move that we saw higher in in the German ten-year yield as well, with kind of um, fairly fairly hawkish comments. So so Lagarde, um, you know, talked about uh, sustains. Um, um, moving rates in a determined and sustained manner, um, kind of emphasising that while still kind of, you know, highlighting the the principles of gradualism and, and optionality that have been so key to, to her communication. <laughs> I but love kind that. Of, you know, de- de-emphasising them in favour of determined and sustained moves and also acknowledging that risk that you know, clearly there are conditions in which gradualism wouldn't be appropriate and namely kind of ad- any evidence of de-anchoring of inflation expectations would be key. There. Yeah,
0: well absolutely, you know, and there's, a, there's always the chance of that happening. I just love that gradualism And optionality, it's like, well, yeah, it's gradualism unless we decide uh, we've got the option that we don't. But that whole point about de-anchoring, I mean, that is a possibility, isn't it? I mean, if you look, I mean, particularly when you've got uh, expectations so low. So 6.8%, I think, is still their forecast for inflation. But, you know, it was already 8.1% annually in May. So this decoupling... I'm not quite sure where that kicks in, but there's a real danger, isn't there, that they are taking it too easy. I mean, even if they did raise 25 basis points and then 50 basis points in July, you know, they are at the dizzying heights of a positive 0.25%. That gradualism could very quickly become optionally less gradual, couldn't
1: it? Yeah, certainly policymakers there are kind of alive to to that risk. And you kind of saw it in some of the other comments from ECB speakers as well that were a, a, a bit more hawkish than what Lagarde was saying and kind of caught some attention as well. So we had Governing Council Member Kazakhs kind of um, opening the door a little bit, saying that um, 50 basis points could be considered next month, even though there's been kind of that very strong and consistent guidance that it would be 25 basis points In July, followed by a a larger move, if that inflation outlook didn't improve by the September meeting. Um, And then you also had some some comments from from Belgium's um, Governor Wunsch as well, who said that the the first 200 basis point hikes are, are a no brainer. Um, and so, kind of, kind of, or basically endorsing the the fairly um, steep path of tightening priced in by markets and into May, into March, mm. um, and so you know, fairly a bit more hawkish, certainly from from some of those other comments from the ECB members than than um, Lagarde's comments as well.
0: Now, you've talked about why we've had this turnaround in U.S. equities. It is that uh, consumer confidence read from the from the Conference Board. was the read, down from 103.2, which is the revised read for May. This is the lowest level for confidence in this index since uh, February last year. Uh, And it's the the expectations part of this, actually, isn't it? So how consumers see the short-term future, that's what's been hit the hardest. That's gone from 73.7 down to 66.6, and 66.6 is the lowest it's been since March 2013, so perhaps not surprising, the markets have been a bit spooked by this.
1: Yeah, 66.4 is is the number that I'm that I'm seeing on my screen, but but oh either right. or the lowest since well, March 2013, okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, as as you say, kind of. You know that expectations component really driving, and very little shift in the the current situation um, or the present situation reading, which is actually holding up um, at reasonably high levels. And um, it also stands in in kind of you know quite stark contrast from the University of Michigan read that we got on Friday, which was at the slowest level in the history of the series. And that kind of really reflects that that kind of present situation in the um, in the Conference Board measure um, puts a bit more weight on the labor market, which consumers are still seeing as as quite positive, and um, and so that that continuing yeah. tightness in the labour market is kind of keeping that that um, present situation um, supporting that index. Well, yeah, as you say, that expectations component um, has has fallen back, um, and kind of part of what's tied in with that is is kind of some the short term inflation expectations um, and and higher energy and food prices certainly contributing. Um, but I would note here that kind of those um higher inflation expectations numbers out of this survey the the question there is about kind of one year ahead inflation expectations and so tend to get um swung around a lot Mm. more on um kind of reacting to to energy and food prices and so much less important in terms of that question about whether um expectations are kind of de-anchoring higher than that five to ten year measure. Out of the University of Michigan survey, um, but yeah, in terms of in terms of the market reaction, it was um, you know back to bad news is bad news today with um, you know weaker consumer confidence coming in and kind of seeing a, a bit of a pullback in in equity prices. Yeah, as well. but
0: maybe the good news is bad news is, that is is you mentioned the jobs and the jobs plentiful uh, index. So people who say you know it's it's, it's quite easy to get a job, fifty one point three percent, which is down from fifty one point nine percent. So that is not exactly a A big move, is it? So people might be a little bit fearful of the future, but they still think there's plenty of work around. And if the Fed thinks they've uh, they've still got this, you know, jobs growth or you know, there's jobs still around. Of course, they, you know, they don't want to see that happen. They want to see that ease off. They don't want it to be quite so tight. So this would suggest they've got still got more work to do, which obviously just adds to those rate hike expectations.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and certainly the you know the indicators of the um, labor market here are, are still strong, and we kind of saw that mirrored in the. Um, in the Richmond Fed um, Manufacturing Index, which was a, a softer than expectations as well, and kind of joining that surprise from the, um, the its Dallas counterpart yesterday and kind of you know flagging the risk of a, a softer ISM coming up on Friday. And kind of yeah. the same thing there with employment um, in that index holding up pretty well, but then shipments and new orders um, both declining sharply. Um, and so, you know, sim- similar kind of themes that that, that labour market is still remaining tight, but then it would tend to lag some of these more forward looking indicators. And so maybe there is scope for that um, to to kind of soften over, over coming months. So probably not too much of a surprise yet that it isn't kind of leading the, the softening that we're seeing in these numbers.
0: Uh, so the US trade data yesterday that showed imports from May fell a little bit, particularly, well, food imports down 0.9 percent month on month consumer goods fell 2.4 percent and food exports fell 9.2 percent so this is quite a switch in the uh the, the trade of food i know it is only one month so i'm not sure we should take too much concern there's only one part of it so what was your take out from uh, those trade numbers yesterday
1: Yeah, I think certainly in terms of the, the, you know, the monthly movements in those, you know, subcomponents of of the good trade, probably not too much signal that we can take from those. So, yeah, as you said, a bit of a softening in consumer goods imports, but offset by an increase in in industrial suppliers imports and then the, you know, the narrowing in the in the trade deficit really on the back of a small um, increase in export. Um, values, um, but yeah, I think the the key thing for the um, you know the the U.S. trade data that we're seeing, if you kind of look over um, April and May data now, it points to a, um, a reasonable positive contribution to to second quarter GDP growth, um, which is important because obviously trade was a, a big detractor from that negative Q1 number um, that oh. um, that we've seen recently, and we get a, an updated. Um, revised version of that's coming up today as well um no no change expected there but yeah that kind of turnaround in the um you know the the goods trade side turning into a, a positive contribution probably the key story here and then um, worth flagging as well here that these are nominal numbers as well. So with the with the volatility that we're seeing in goods prices and how quickly they're moving around, mapping through to that that volumes estimate and that real estimate for the exact contribution is is a bit more challenging than usual. Um, but certainly looks like a, a positive contribution for the the second quarter GDP numbers.
0: Yeah, and we were talking yesterday about what inventories mean. You know, because you can read it either way, can't you? If you see rising inventories, does that mean well, we're getting more goods into the country? So that means supply chains are easing up. Or does it mean stuff isn't being sold, uh, and we've certainly had a bit of that, haven't we? Um, but but I mean that's that, that that's good in a way because if stuff's not being sold, that means demand is easing, which means the you know the Fed's job is working. So could, any anything we can take out from the inventory numbers we saw overnight? Yeah,
1: not not much on top of what you've just said there. I think so. We saw wholesale inventories mm-hmm. up two percent, retail um, inventories up one point one percent in May. So both of those kind of you know consistent with. Um, you know, companies still stocking up on merchandise with the, you know, highly uncertain um, supply chain, still a feature, but, you know, having some more success in actually rebuilding those inventories as yep. well. Um, so, yeah, probably a positive sign and kind of consistent with what we're seeing from the, um, you know, the, the um manufacturing surveys as well that there is some kind of movement at the margin in terms of the tightness of those good supply chains. And look,
0: uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll move off the United States in a second, but just finally, uh, house prices. So, you know, here we are, we've got weaker consumer confidence, we've got rising interest rates, we've got falling equities, but house prices still rising 1.8% month on month in the uh, Case-Shiller 20-city uh, housing price index. I mean, that can't last, surely.
1: Yeah, I think the first thing to note there is that that's um, data for April. So um getting getting fairly long in the tooth at this point. And so it, 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 that kind of number, although it is, you know, a, a pretty chunky month on month rise, certainly in historical context, it is a slowing from the pace that kind of, um, the US went into 2022 with and so it is consistent with some slowing and then you know all those more timely indicators of, of housing demand and the, um, the housing market in the US that we're seeing are consistent with kind of more slowing
0: to come going forward. Now retail sales for Australia today 0.9% growth in April Will we see a slowdown in May? And if we, you know, work on the basis that good news is bad news, if they're strong, then that'll presumably add to the pressure for the RBA uh, to take a tougher line uh, going forwards. Uh, the next meeting is next week, of course. So, what? And, and I think we there is a downside risk in these numbers, isn't there? So uh, uh, we'll we'll see what today brings us.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. So, yeah, consensus is for a 04 um, percent increase month on month. So a, a slowing from that recent pace. We've penciled in something similar at zero point five. Um, and it is that would kind of reflect a pretty meaningful slowing from that that pace of gains that we saw through the first quarter and and in April as well. Um, but would still kind of be holding up at pretty high levels. Um, and again, these are these are nominal numbers, and so you know it would be kind of masking what would be kind of you know flattish growth month on month underneath that in real terms. If we if it, um, the numbers did come in around consensus, um, but yeah, just kind of flagging a, a bit of a downside risk there because there is. You know, retail sales heavily weighted towards um, goods and goods consumption, um, and so we did see some kind of you know very initial tentative evidence that the the very elevated levels um, of of goods. Um, spending that we saw in the um, in retail numbers over the course of the pandemic was, was starting to roll over in April. So still, still early days there. But to the extent that that story does come through more meaningfully in May um, than is implicit in those forecasts, and there is probably a little bit of downside risk there, and that's certainly something to watch, kind of going forward over the next couple of months. I'm- even if it doesn't show up in May.
0: Now, NATO meeting today again, of course, and so we can expect more mm-hmm. tough talk about Russia. I mean, we've already had some. So uh, Dmitry uh, Medvedev said that if, uh, if there's any attempt to try and reclaim Crimea, which uh, I think, you know, is what uh, the, the, the Ukrainians want to do, uh, if uh, NATO's involved in that, that would be a declaration of uh, World War Three, basically. Uh, so that's nice to know, isn't it? But, I mean, he is, you know, he, uh, he, he is a little bit Im- unbalanced, and he's given us this sort of talk before, hasn't he? But what is going to be interesting is just how much European countries are prepared to spend... Uh, Overcoming years uh, to fight this war, to support this war. So so the UK has just uh, backstepped on its uh, commitment, election commitment. Not surprisingly, they were going to increase defence spending by CPI plus 2%. Now, they're not going to do that for obvious reasons because CPI is so expensive. But we also had the EIA saying Germany is going to have to cut its gas consumption by 30% uh, by mid-February if flows from Russia are halted. And they're giving the warning that Europe really should be focusing on building up its reserves right now. They should be uh, slowing their consumption. Uh, and yet, you know, I'm, I'm wondering whether with the, the euro is down quite a bit today for no obvious reason. Maybe it's this, uh, this because uh, you would thought, you know, with heightened rate expectations, it would actually be going the other way. But maybe it is these concerns oversupplies and perhaps they are going to have to respond to their consumption their energy consumption sooner rather than later
1: yeah certainly doesn't look to be any kind of resolution on the on the horizon in the near term to the the situation in ukraine just on yeah in what we can expect out of the the nato meeting there's been some you know reports that the us will announce new military commitments to to europe um so certainly more more announcements to come there in terms of um supporting European nations, and also um, I also saw that Turkey has um, dropped its pledge to veto um, Sweden and Finland's membership um, applications oh, as well. Oh, I didn't know, oh, um, I didn't know, know that. So oh, right.
0: That's a positive move. That's a good step, isn't it?
1: So that that's probably the main the main thing that'll come out. Yeah.
0: Well, look, you know, and this thing's going to go on for your lifetime and my lifetime. I suspect. Uh, look, the uh, the big guns are out. Not those sorts of guns. The big guns at the uh, of central banks uh, at the uh, ECB forum in Portugal. So we've got Powell, Lagarde, Bailey. Look, every time these guys talk uh, or guys and ladies talk lately, there does seem to be some sort of market move. So. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they say. They're all, unfortunately, all middle of the night Aussie time. But of course, we, you know, if you if you want to get some sleep, we can tell you about it in the morning. But it's going to be worth listening out for.
1: Yeah, certainly the um, yeah that ECB conference um, happening in Central at the moment certainly does get. Um, if it wasn't interesting already, it certainly heats up. Um, you know, overnight Today. with um, yeah Lagarde, yeah. Powell, Bailey, and the the head of the biz, Caston's, all on a panel discussing challenges for monetary policy in a rapidly changing world. So. Hard to think of something more topical there and then you know each of those are kind of speaking separately um, well Lagarde Powell and Bailey are speaking um, separately to that panel as well and there's a, a number of other names um, on the on the central banking calendar um, worth looking out for as well so certainly a, a big night for central bank right, speak good
0: very good excellent we'll leave it there for now thanks for coming in and uh, helping us out this morning uh, we'll catch you again soon Taylor thanks no problem at all thanks Phil have your central bank speak bingo cards ready uh, we'll be back again tomorrow morning for another edition of the morning call I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Have a great day. See you in the morning.